0: Welcome to The Way Home Podcast, featuring conversations on church, community, and culture. I'm your host, Dan Darling, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm joined by two of my colleagues, Lindsay Swartz and Jason Thacker. Say hi, folks, to the people on the podcast. We're here today to talk about the brand new Hot Off the presses edition of Light Magazine, of which Lindsay and Jason had quite a bit of effort in putting together. So, Lindsay if you're not familiar is our sort of managing editor of content and in this magazine she's kind of managing editor or some exalted title but what, what's your title
1: well I think it's Grand managing editor, yeah.
0: okay and Jason is our creative director and so we're we're just gonna talk about some of the issues in here the the theme of this issue is is this our pro-life moment and so one of the things we're trying to to wrestle with here is are, are we at a place in the pro-life movement where the conversation in the culture has shifted maybe in the direction to where we might actually see some significant action, particularly after the release of the Planned Parenthood sting videos by the Center for Medical Progress, they really kind of shake the conscience of uh, the country. Even liberals were, were kind of saying, you know, this is disturbing. This is you know this is making us think. And so I want to first talk to Jason. You can't see this because this is a podcast, but we're going to talk about the cover, which I encourage you to go see, erlc.com slash light. You can subscribe to the magazine mm-hmm. or you can read it online both as a PDF or in this sort of beautiful uh, way of reading a magazine online. That uh, Issue. It's like a virtual magazine essentially. Jason, describe the cover a little bit of this magazine if you can.
2: Well, for the first issue, we uh, used an illustration for the cover, and we wanted to on this one also. There's a great illustrator named Jeremy Booth. He actually used to live here in Nashville, Tennessee, and now lives in Louisville, Kentucky. He does some really great art And I wanted to see how we can incorporate him. He actually did an illustration for the last magazine, and I wanted to have him work on the cover for this one. And one of the things that we wanted to go in with this is how do we communicate, is this our pro-life moment in this sense, specifically with government legislation and change. And so we wanted to incorporate some kind of DC imagery, but also show that people have power. This is the people's house Mm -hmm. in Congress, and so that we can come there, we can voice our concerns, and we can stand with others in the pro-life moment to say- Babies matter. Unborn lives matter. And so that's when we were, what we were trying to communicate on the cover. Yeah. And
0: one of the things, Lindsay, as we were putting this together, we wanted to have someone kind of write about where are we in the culture on this issue. So we had Karen Swallow Pryor, who's a, our ERLC research fellow, mm-hmm. a prolific writer. She teaches literature at Liberty University. One of the things she talks about in here is, did these videos kind of make a difference? And one of the hopeful things, I think she says, is that we shouldn't assume that cultural attitudes are fixed, but that they can actually change. Sometimes as Christians, Mm -hmm. we kind of get the sort of doomsday, Mm -hmm. everything's tending toward bad, everything's terrible, but that's not always necessarily true. And so we had her write this. So maybe, Lindsay, talk what excited you about this particular issue about working on this.
1: Well, I think the the caliber of the people that we have working on this issue, as well as the expertise. So mm-hmm. we wanted, Jason talked about wanting to represent DC here and the people's fight. We wanted to talk about, uh, or we wanted to go to those who were leading the legislative battle mm-hmm. for life. So we, our DC colleague, Stephen Harris at the ERLC, talked to Representative Black, Diane Black, and then Senator James Lankford Mm. about the efforts that they are leading um, in D.C. on the Hill, which was amazing that he was able Mm -hmm. to get an audience with them. We spoke to um, several female pro-life leaders that have had tons of combined years of experience and uh, asked them questions about what they thought about the Planned Parenthood videos, how that would affect the pro-life movement. Also, if they saw a war on women um, going on in our culture, specifically we asked them, is the pro-life movement a war on women? So they helped us uh, look at that from the right perspective, and they spoke uh, with hope as far as what they see going on in the pro life movement and their their hopes for the future of the pro life movement.
0: Yeah, I want to just focus on that particularly because I think one of the narratives in media and the culture is that this is a war on women as you said that this is, you know, all these men, you know, male politicians are talking about abortion. They don't really care and know about the lives of women. What a lot of people don't realize, and the media doesn't report, is a lot of your leading pro-life organizations are led by women. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and the real surge in pro-life attitudes among women. So you talked with uh, Jeannie Mancini, who's the president of the March for Life. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, just to go off on a little side tangent here, uh, our event in January... It's called Evangelicals for Life. It's where we're asking folks to come to D.C. and get equipped to be a champion for life in your community. It's also in conjunction with the March for Life, which, is, is, as we know, is, is an annual event that has thousands of people from across the country marching on the on the Capitol, making a stand for life. And Jeannie Mancini is the... Um, the president of that organization, but also Kelly Rosati, who is a vice president of community outreach at Focus on the Family. She's really passionate about pro-life issues, about adoption, orphan care. Uh, Cindy Hopkins works for CareNet, which is the world's largest provider organization that deals with pro-life pregnancy centers. And then Charmaine Yost is president and CEO of Americans United for Life. And this is just a few. I mean, there's many of the other organizations that are led by pro-life women. So I, I thought... This section was really great to just see uh, women leading the charge and and talking in ways that uh, are just really winsome, but also forceful about this issue.
1: Right. And they reinforced ways. One of the questions we asked them were helpful and practical ways that Christians can be an advocate for life in their communities. Not everyone can be in D.C. Not everyone can be the president and CEO of a pro-life organization. So, Mm -hmm. uh, And they gave us some really good practical tips for, this is how you can get involved just at the ground level uh, in really, really practical, everyday, maybe sometimes unseen ways.
0: Mm -hmm. Jason, you had a couple favorite articles is there any one particular that that you that really resonated with you as you're reading through this Yeah, there were two
2: that really stood out to me. I really love Garrett Kells. Um, It's The God Who Redeems, which is kind Mm -hmm. of his first person, his testimony about what happened in his life before he became a believer. Him and his girlfriend uh, got pregnant and had an abortion. And then as he became a believer, he started to see what actually took place in that, that it was murder, but that our God is a God who redeems and has Mm washed him clean. And Forgave him for that past sin. And so now he serves as a pastor at Delray Baptist Church in uh, Alexandria, Virginia. And it's neat to see his churches, how they're stepping into the pro life moment from Mm -hmm. the pews and from their community, not so much in D.C., they're outside of D.C., and they're stepping into women's. Uh, resource centers or pregnancy mm-hmm. centers. And that's one of the things that I really loved about this issue is not only do we have kind of the D.C. legislative influence, but we also had a pastoral angle, mm-hmm. having Dean and Sarah from City Church in Tallahassee, Florida, speaking about how does how do you be pro-life in your church, mm-hmm. or Josh Howerton, my pastor uh, at the Bridge Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee, talking about what does it look like to have a whole life, pro-life ethic in your churches, and what does that look like for your preaching? What does that look like for your ministry? Mm -hmm. Um, And so seeing that it's really kind of that full-orbed view of what it looks like to be pro-life, whole life throughout
0: everything. Yeah, one of the things I love from those two pastors, well, three pastors, you know, uh, Garrett, for one, Garrett Kell's story tells us, that I think we forget this, right, that some of the... People who might be getting abortions today, or even some of the people on the other side of the issue who um, are so strong against life, may one day be a brothers and sisters in Christ and advocates for life. Mm-hmm. You know, we forget sometimes as we're advocating legislation and justice that God's also in the business, primarily in the business of saving people out of that.
2: Yeah, and you see that even with the Roe versus Wade decision, where Roe, Mm -hmm. one of the main plaintiffs in the case that legalized abortion in America, um, she is actually, she became one of the most ardent pro-life advocates Mm -hmm. who realized what that judgment was and what actually happened in that legislation wasn't uh, pro-life, and so she stepped in to really say, hey, we want to advocate for life and see that.
0: I think to talk about the pastors giving sort of good advice, I mean, Dean and Sarah... City Church in Tallahassee gives kind of a we try to do this with every issue kind of almost like a clinic for pastors to say how do I mm-hmm. preach on this issue. You know, pastors want to be faithful to the scriptures. They don't want to be political. We don't want to go to church and our pastors like riffing on what he watched on Fox News last night or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, we get that enough during the week. We want the pastor to preach expositionally from the word of God. So what does it look like to address the pro life issue? And Dean does a really good job with that. He Pastors in a college town on Tallahassee, a lot of young people. In fact, his wife, um, who's one of the ladies that we talked to in this magazine, but she she runs a clinic, a pro-life pregnancy, or helps volunteer pro-life pregnancy center on the campus of Florida State. And so this is a really helpful thing. And then um, your pastor, Josh Howerton, says, "What what would it look like for a church to be holistically pro-life? And mm-hmm. I just love what he writes in there about the church being the place where all kinds of broken people can come and find help. He's real passionate, right, about adoption Mm -hmm. and and things. And you attend that church, so he's not just writing this. It's something that he leads out, right? Yeah,
2: it's lived out in the life of our church. One of the things that I love his quote uh, talking about Uh, the pro-life issue is not just uh, saving unborn babies. If we are really passionate about the pro-life issue and this major social justice issue of our day, Mm -hmm. that's going to be seen and through how we care for women, how we build up fathers, how we care for the family holistically, but also through adoption of the unwanted babies that are saved and that are not aborted. What does that look like by bringing them into families? And so Josh and his wife um, adopted two little girls, and one of the things that he tells – I'm not sure if it's in the article, but I know he talks about it in the church, too, is that especially his youngest daughter, she had a birth defect, a pretty Mm -hmm. major birth defect. Her mother, her biological mother, that is, was a 20-year-old med student, uh, African-American girl. So she's kind of the primarily, like, the one that you would see who isn't wanted um, Mm -hmm. coming from that. And so it's neat to see her kind of being wrapped into their family, and she is one of their daughters, and Mm -hmm. she is loved, and she's cared for, and she's kind of that story of saying, hey, the abortion issue, this pro-life issue, isn't just about saving unborn babies, but really folding
0: them into the family and mm-hmm. really into the family of God and to the church. Well, mm-hmm. and and we've talked about this a little bit, but evangelicals are, are increasingly applying this pro-life ethic to just a wide range of things, which is kind of the theme of this issue, but also of the Evangelicals for Life conference, right, is that if you're really going to talk about being pro-life... We're gonna mm-hmm. care deeply about justice for the unborn, but apply it to other issues, you mm-hmm. know, seeing everybody in the image of God.
2: Yeah, Josh puts it in his quote that's in the magazine. It's one of my favorites. He says, churches teeming with adoptions and foster parents, sacrificial compassion for pregnant teenagers and single moms, bestow dignity upon the disabled and honor for the elderly. They will be the culture-shaping churches, the culture-shaking churches. That's the churches that are really going to make an impact Mm -hmm. because they see that this pro-life issue isn't just about the unborn. It is about Mm -hmm. the unborn for sure, but it's so much more than that, really respecting life in every
0: stage of development. I just love that. Mm -hmm. I love that quote, and I love his heart there, just helping churches to kind of be countercultural in that way, uh, and reflect the kingdom of God. One of the things that surprised me, Lindsay, a lot about, as we were looking at this issue, is uh, just to learn, there's some some history here, that the the Southern Baptist Convention, everyone assumes Southern Baptists and and conservative evangelicals are just automatically pro-life and always have been, but that wasn't always the case, right? And so... Uh, We have an article by Joy Almond, who's a Mm -hmm. great writer and journalist, tracing the history of the SBC on pro life issues, right?
1: Right, and it's probably one of my favorites in the article because Joy, who is a friend of ours and of the mm-hmm. ministry, she does she writes so well and traces things and the history of things so well, and she just brings it all together. So it was interesting to see that um, Southern Baptists did not have a staunch pro-life stance. And... Um, and to, just to trace how the Lord began to stir up the heart, particularly of Dr. Richard Land, who was the former president of mm-hmm. the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, uh, stir up his heart and call him to a solid pro-life stance to fight for the unborn, and then has continued that work in the current president of the mm-hmm. ERLC, Russell Moore. Yeah. Uh, so it was really encouraging to see.
0: What's surprising, even when Roe versus Wade came down, that most Southern Baptists thought it was a good decision. Pro-life was kind of considered a Catholic issue. For sure. But Richard Land, you know, our, our previous president, was really uh, courageous and prophetic, you know, in 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 leading the SBC to be consistently pro-life. Well, um, you can
2: look at the March for Life; that it's still a predominantly Catholic event. Mm-hmm. You go and you see, you know, as passionate as evangelicals and Southern Baptists are about pro-life issues. You go to this March mm-hmm. in DC that is on the anniversary of Roe v.ersus Wade in January. And you go there, and it's teeming with Catholics, and that's not a bad thing by any means. We want to see that, and we want to see that increase, but there's largely an evangelical kind of absence there. And that's one of the reasons that we're wanting to host this Evangelicals for Life is, one, to equip pastors and leaders about pro-life issues to speak to all of these things, but also to rally evangelicals in our nation's capital to see change really take place, which is kind of corresponding with the magazine. We wanted the magazine and Evangelicals for Life to go together and really rallying evangelicals and Southern Baptists say, yeah. hey, we really want to be here at the march. And you saw that with pictures from past marches where you see Dr. Richard Land marching, mm-hmm. where you see Dr. Moore marching along with Catholics to say, hey, this life matters, our mm-hmm. un- unborn life matters, and we want to see that protected.
0: Yeah, as Dr. Moore says, we don't want to hear any less Ave Maria song at the March for Life, but we'd love to hear more Amazing Grace exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to yeah. have more evangelicals. Mm-hmm. And, and in that note, you know... Not only do we trace the Southern Baptist position on this, but our friend Aaron Hanbury, who's an editor at Relevant Magazine, great editor, great writer, very gifted, wrote a piece for us um, tracing the, the church's historic position. And Because one of the arguments that's made is, well, this is sort of just a political thing. you know, Ronald Reagan in the 80s kind of rallied evangelicals to this. Uh, but really, the church has historically stood... For the sanctity of life.
1: Right. It's not just a left or right issue. It's a God issue. And he says, the Christian heart beats for justice because justice grows from the heart of God himself. Yeah. And he traces in here and throughout the magazine, you see hints of this, how since the Roe versus Wade um, 1973 decision, I think pro-choice advocates just assumed that this issue was gonna go away, but it It's pro life movement has come it's grown forward, yeah, Yeah. stronger than ever, and a huge pregnancy resource center movement. Mm. So, it and he just goes on to say, Aaron Hanberry, that it's not going anywhere. Christians Mm. are still going to stand for life and they're not going to back down because it's rooted in who God is.
0: And I think it also is a good article for maybe younger evangelicals who are very skeptical about being political. They don't want to be identified with one party or the other. And I understand some of that skepticism for him to say, you know, to be pro-life transcends party. This is something that has Christians have been identified since the early church. I mean, he has quotes in here from church fathers who talked about uh, abortion, really in cultures where babies were even more uh, discarded than they are today. So mm-hmm. I thought that was good. And then one thing that really piqued my interest, you know, of course, I love politics, and we were able to find, we always try to have a sort of history little thing in here, the history of the ERLC in our magazine. And uh, it was really neat to find a speech that Governor Robert Casey gave to the, uh, what was then the Christian Life Commission. Of course, it's the ERLC. Today, same organization, uh, but at an anniversary event um, of the ERLC in the 90s. And Governor Casey was a Democrat of Pennsylvania. Uh, He gave a a very courageous speech on the sanctity of life at Southern Seminary at an uh, ERLC event. Interesting note about Governor Casey, because of his pro-life position, he was kicked Essentially kicked out of the Democratic Party. He wasn't allowed to speak at the 1992 Democratic Convention, which is a very courageous stand. And it just is, I think it it shows us uh, sometimes you have to, on some issues, you have to go against maybe the party that the political party that you favor if you're going to be a gospel person. And Casey's name is also on one of the, one of the pieces of legislation that unfortunately the Supreme Court struck down when they reaffirmed abortion. But I thought. You know, that, Having that speech in there was, was kind of cool mm-hmm. to see some of the history of the ERLC. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And it ties into um, Joy Allman's article and just the history of yeah. the pro-life movement in the SBC. And then we can't forget to mention Mike Cosper, who yes. is a pastor of worship and arts, I believe it is, at Sojourn Community Church in Louisville, mm. Kentucky, who wrote, as he is able to... In, he's just gifted in this, but wrote about the language mm. of abortion and and how it becomes banal, just common every day. Mm. And he related that to um, the Holocaust and how um, really Jewish people were referred to as non-persons mm. uh, to try to dumb down that language so you don't feel bad about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so then in the the pro choice movement instead of talking about dead babies we talk about aborted fetuses it's mm-hmm. not a baby it's a fetus and instead and products of conception instead of talking about organ harvesting as we've seen in the planned parenthood videos we talk about tissue donation mm-hmm. so that we we uh, just insulate ourselves to the horrors of what really is going on
0: yeah the, it's like you know we talk about tissue we talk about some of these like uh, it, it's amazing how we desensitize ourselves and mm-hmm. i think mike's article was really good cuz those of us who are pro life who are sensitive to that maybe there's other areas where we kind of dehumanize people uh, mm-hmm. whether it's mm-hmm. with immigrants or refugees or maybe other minority groups that you know and so i that was a very important article i mean one of the things that's really great about this magazine right is it's you know it it's a december issue but it's, th- these are pretty timeless, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's something that pastors could give to people to understand the issue.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of different tools uh, throughout, whether they're book excerpts. Mm-hmm. Um, in the very back, one of uh, the fun se- uh, sections that we have, it is the equip section. Mm-hmm. And in this, we have videos, we have books, um, articles, podcasts. We kind of reference and say, hey, these are some really good resources for you and your church mm-hmm. to help equip you in the pro-life issue. And so you can see some of those, but then you can also go to our website to erlc.com slash equip and see some of those resources. One that I want to specifically highlight is a new book that's coming out by Leland House Press, an initiative of the ERLC called Women on Life, A Call to Love the Unborn, Unloved and Neglected and Truly a New Bell, Our Own. Uh, is the editor of this book. And she, uh, Lindsay can talk a little bit more about some of the authors that came together, but these are women, pro-life women that are coming together to write um, on this issue and say, hey, the unborn, the, un- the neglected, these-, these people matter. Mm. And not just the ones that are unborn babies, but those throughout all stages of life. And so that's an issue where in the very front of the magazine, we have a book excerpt uh, from the book that's coming out in January in conjunction with the Evangelicals for Life conference.
1: Absolutely. Well, and I think putting out that book is just evidence of the Lord's continued work and stirring up hearts and momentum when it comes to speaking up for life. And as we talked about earlier, that it's not just an unborn baby that matters, it's the elderly person, and and it's the unwed mother, it's the disabled child, and that's what Trilia seeks to cover as she recruited these authors, these various authors, seeks to cover in that, um, just to make sure that we say, hey, all of life matters from from beginning to end of life. Absolutely. And also, as you mentioned, as we mentioned at the beginning and Jason talking about the cover design, that um, we would be remiss to say that the content is so great, but I really urge listeners to go online at erlc.com forward slash light, because it's beautiful coupled yes. with the design, Jason and um, Jacob Blaze have done a great job designing this magazine, and so just to take it all in the the content with the design, it's really really looks good.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, w- I wanted to talk about the design just a little bit before we close. You know, Jason, when you're thinking about designing not just a magazine but but products, it's interesting because you have uh you have a theological training, but you also are creative, and I don't think that. Christians always put the two together, why good design, excellent design is important. So maybe think, as you were putting this together, kind of what was going through your mind and how you wanted to kind of put this magazine together design-wise.
2: Yeah, good and high-quality design really spawns from being made in the image of God. God designed us. Mm. God designed the entire world. You can look at it, the, you flip a leaf over and you see just how beautiful a leaf is put together, mm. how seemingly insignificant a leaf really is, but the beauty of God is seen in, really the glory of God is seen in, as the scriptures tell us. And so one of the things that we do here at the ERLC and through our creative is we want it to be beautiful. We want it to be God glorifying and honoring, not just in the content, which is incredibly important, but also the way we present that content mm. and a compelling. And um, really, God honoring way. And so, one of the things that's been fun over this last year is uh, Launching Light. It launched last summer um, with our first issue on, it was called Marriage Redefined on Same Sex Marriage and Homosexuality. And in this issue, we're focused on pro life moment. Um, with this magazine, what we really want to do is I wanted to bring in some really high end designers like a Jeremy Booth from Louisville, Kentucky, um, but also a Jen Sullivan from Baltimore, Maryland to write, to do some. Um, Illustrations for us, but then also Jacob Blaze our designer here at the ERLC has done really just a fantastic job with this magazine. And I'm just, it's, it's fun. It's yeah. a really fun project to work on where we get to uh, think through how do we communicate uh, pro-life issues? How do we communicate the, you know, the gist of this article through art and through illustrations, mixing in photography, but also mixing in illustration. And so this is just a fun time that we get to work on. Um, I, I came, I graduated from Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, um, and then was working in a communications department for a few years before coming here to the URLC. And seeing that modeled for me and mm-hmm. what that looks like to have a theological perspective on design and creative has really impact-informed me and what we seek to do here at the URLC through our creative.
0: Yeah, this is, you know, this is something that pastors or leaders can give to people, even people that are maybe on the fence on this issue. There's something about really, really good design. Uh, it's compelling. That draws you in to read the content. So we encourage uh, folks to get it. You can go to erlc.com slash light uh, to subscribe. It's $10 for two issues per year. So That's the printed edition that will yeah. be
2: mailed to you. And then you can also read it online. For free. Or you can, yeah, for free. You can uh, look at the PDF or you can use a, a program we call Issue mm-hmm. and we use that as a digital reading platform. So yeah. you can flip through the pages, you can see the spreads, you can see just how
0: beautiful it really is and how it came together. Well, I want to thank Jason and Lindsay for joining me today on the Way Home Podcast to talk about Light Magazine. I also want to especially thank Marie Delph, who's our staff editor who edits, works hard, really hard to edit most of uh, Light Magazine. Uh, thank you for her contribution, as well as all the contributors, the writers and designers who uh, made this possible. I want to thank you for listening to The Way Home podcast today. The Way Home is a production of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention, produced and recorded by Gary Lancaster, scheduling by Marie Delph, and research by David Klosser.